0: Welcome to the Reversing Diabetes with Delaine MD Podcast, where women who are confused and worried about their type 2 diabetes come to learn strategies to fix it. I'm your host, Dr. Delane Vaughn. Ladies, if you know that you are capable of doing badass things at work and for your family, but you're frustrated with why you can't seem to stop eating the chocolate cake, this podcast is for you. Let's talk. Hey there. I'm so glad you could join me today. I have a special podcast for you. This is a podcast where I do a coaching call with a listener. She's agreed to have this call recorded so others can listen to it and see what coaching is like. This should be podcast number 224, and I will be back next week with another podcast. I hope you enjoy this. Talk to you later. Here we go. I want to welcome Nikki to the podcast. She's agreed to do a coaching call with me so that all the listeners can figure out what coaching is all about. So welcome, Nikki. Thank you. What do you want to coach on today? Well, it seems I have
1: a cycle that's been happening since my diagnosis and well it's starting to get really tiring and I need to change my mindset because how it's going now is I get my A one C twice a year. It's like I'm studying exam. I get that result that I want and then I lose all of it. I Drive straight to get the ice cream from the doctor after I get my A1C, fall off the wagon until it's nearing that period of time for my next A1C. And then I have to start from a not so great place every single time. And it's just this roller coaster playing with my body and my brain. It's just not working out. And I need to get past this uh, get, get it mentality when it comes to my um, A1C.
0: So I want to make sure I'm understanding correctly. So you'll get close to getting an A1C draw that's scheduled. Say you're scheduled for September 25th or whatever to get your labs drawn. And in the weeks leading up to that, that's when you start making changes? Um, are you... Three months. <laughs> Three months before
1: I get that blood work done, I'll start no gearing back up I'll start wearing my Dexcom again I'll really do well because I don't take meds so I'll jump right back on and get all serious for three months until it's time for the A1c and I do pretests from home because I will act now test kits I test my make sure it's right where I want it to be <sighs> get my test and then eat the ice cream
0: I see. So it's three months of eating junk cycled with three months of not eating junk. So curiously, like, why do you think that it is that you do that? Why? What is it about the three months of eating fabulous that requires a change? Like the, and you know, I don't love that terminology. I eat good and I eat bad. I don't love that terminology in my life, but I, I think that that's pretty common. People understand that mindset that i eat the things that are healthy for three months and then i go and i eat the things that are unhealthy for three months what is it about eating the things that are healthy for the three months that requires a change that like your brain's like i don't want to do that anymore
1: i I want to say maybe a feeling of being feeling deprived it's a it's a hard hard thing this time around I have done a little bit of a change where so I don't feel deprived and that's allowing little mini chocolate bars whenever I feel the need to have something bad for me I'd rather have a little bit of something not great in exchange for a big bowl of or a cake thing it, it, it's almost like
0: I've been let off of a leash and I'm just going
1: crazy uh...
0: So the opposite of let off of leash is being on a leash, right? Yes. So if you're eating healthy, you see it as being on a leash. I guess
1: subconsciously I'm excited about doing well and eating the right things and to cook. And I love to make healthy meals. Um, I love all of that. I love to brag that I'm doing well. I'm looking at. Look at my Dexcom, you know, my A1C, I mean, my glucose right now is this. But then on the other hand.
0: Yeah. So what do you think, like thinking of the moment that you would have to um, go to the doctor and get your labs drawn and then coming home or the three months after coming home or the three weeks after coming home? What feeling do you think that you would have to feel to continue to eat the way that you you had been before the doctor's appointment?
1: I almost feel like if I had a high A one C and did not, oh, that would keep me going. Mm. I don't know. Or going more frequently
0: would keep me. So curiously, if you had a high A one C, what would you feel? Shame. You- Shame. Why shameful? Because I
1: know better. I know why. If I go and I get a high A1c, I know why it's high. Yeah. I can't, I, I'm i not, I don't know what happened. Yeah.
0: No, I know. So what's wrong with the A1c being high?
1: Um. Okay, so it's who I am. In college, if I didn't get an A, oh, look out. You know, I would be doing all the extra credit to make up for it, but.
0: I was the one that, that studied and studied to get that A. In the so it sounds like one part of it is that you want to be successful. Yes. But like you're not interested in successfully completing, maybe you are, but it's not the work maybe you're doing right now. But like you're not interested in being successful like an Iron Man or climbing Mount Everest, right? Like that's a form of success, right? What is it about normalizing an A1C that you have a desire to be successful with?
1: It's it's almost like a trophy. Mm-hmm. Like I climbed yeah, It's
0: a trophy that says what though?
1: That I've, I'm successful. That I've accomplished my goal that
0: I, but why is this particular goal like important to you why is there a connection to this goal to feel proud Mm -hmm. that i can do it what if you don't have an a1c that's normal other than feeling shame what does it mean long term for you it means that i'm not working for it i'm
1: not doing my part in being healthy yeah what is it that why is it important to be healthy I've got children I've got a grandson I have a husband I have I don't want to feel crappy I was feeling awful when I was diagnosed and then after three months of misbehaving
0: you feel awful
1: again awful again i feel awful after a couple days of misbehaving it's mentally physically
0: all of it i get what you you think that it's more the shame or that like if my a1c so you go for your three months and your a1c was still bad quote-unquote bad right it was still higher than you want it versus when you clean things up and you're good for three months and you go and your a1c is good and then you have three months of not eating the way you know you need to be eating If that, before you go into that three months of not eating the way you know you need to be eating, if that initial A1C that you, or that A1C that you did was high, is there more shame that would keep you eating healthy or is it more of fear or feeling bad or worry that would keep you eating healthy? The shame. The shame. How interesting. So what's so bad about, what's so bad? Ooh, ooh. What is so bad about not doing that right? So my aunt,
1: she posted, you mentioned her in the, your last podcast. She's the one that I had mentioned previously about the Diet Coke and how the Cook was more important to her than her life. And she's finally getting it together. I, I feel like a preacher and I'm just preaching to her all the time about it. Um, I know how I feel when I see her not doing well, my kids, my husband, all my people in my circle, they want me to do well too. And they cheer me on. They've got the pom-poms. And when I don't do well, I see that same look in eyes that I see in in myself when i'm witnessing that with ebby
0: yeah you see in their eyes what you feel when you see your aunt yes so that is probably why you have this cycle because when it comes to show your trophy you want to make sure the trophy is there so that others can be proud of it (laughs) versus when there's no trophy to show you don't need to like nobody's looking there's nothing to show Why are you not doing this for you? Oh, you're tough on me. (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean to be, but yeah, sometimes it is hard because that that's what's keeping you in this cycle. Right. You touch
1: these nerves. I (laughs) (laughs) I
0: do it all the time,
1: even on uh, the Facebook group. Um. I'm a mom. I'm hot wired, hardwired to make sure everybody else is taken care of. Yeah.
0: So who's going to take care of you? Right. Yeah. I, got- I think that that's one of the most powerful things to see. Like, I think, and, and I'm going to curiously ask you, but a lot of times with women, I see that this mentality of I have to take care of them. It's almost mm-hmm. like there's a limited amount of care that can go around. I can either take care of them or I can take care of me. And so I think the expansive challenge or like my, my welcome to you or challenge to you is like, how can I do both, right? And you know everybody hears the idea of, I've got to put my oxygen mask on before I apply somebody else's. And I do believe that's true. It's hard for me to take care of others if I'm not taking care of me. I think that there is truth to that. But I think that that continues the idea that I've got to choose one or the other. What if I can choose both? What if I can care for them and care for me? That's one challenge. But the question I asked you is like, who else is gonna do it? And I think that this is a really important um, thing that maybe society doesn't do a great job of telling us, of teaching us, especially as women um that we aren't taught that actually it's my job to take care of me nobody else's job at all nobody and nobody else's job but more than that nobody else knows what i need the way i know what i need
1: i mean look how long it took takes all these podcasts for us to finally get it how are we going to possibly explain that to our loved and to our friends and
0: co-workers and and then expect them to advocate for the stuff that we just maybe finally got them to understand right yeah right. so that explains a lot of why you're in this cycle
1: can i tell you a little story
0: absolutely
1: so as you're saying this i was at my son-in-law's birthday party it was the end of the Most people had gone home. There were probably eight of us left—the kids, their significant others—and I had behaved. I had behaved really well, but my Dexcom was saying that my glucose was up to 188, and I could not, for the life of me, figure out what was going on. I was really upset, and my daughter asked me, "What's wrong?" I said, "Well, you know, I'm up to 188. You know, this is you're concerned," and she said, "Well, what can?" I said maybe I can go try to you know drink some water get it down and she said all right everybody up everybody left got up 10 30 at night and we're walking the streets of the neighborhood and when we got back it was still like 170 so she's like let's go and we went and walked the same loop all over again and they didn't matter we were together whether we were walking down my numbers or not When we got back, I did a finger prick and my glucose was like 130. The Dexcom was off, not me. (laughs) So, Anyway, they did take care of me in, in a way that I didn't expect. I thought I'd have to go for a walk by myself. You know?
0: Yeah. And I think that like, it's nice to have somebody with you. But when you wait to require you to take care of you for somebody to be with you, it always is out of your control. Mm -hmm. If you wait for somebody else to care for you, it will always be out of your control. It's the most powerless position we can find ourselves in. To count on them, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice to have an accountability buddy. As long as the story in our head isn't, if they're not doing it, it's okay for me to not do it. And I think the story in your brain right now, and edit this if this isn't correct for you, but the story in your brain right now is if I don't have this A1C trophy to show, it's okay for me not to eat the way I know I need to. Does that does that resonate with you at all? Like, Oh, I'm not getting my A1C done for a while, so I don't need to eat that way. That's exactly what it is. Yes.
1: Yes. When, when my husband says, let's go get ice cream. Whereas now I would say, well, if we're going to do that, we're going to get the bikes and we're going to pedal to the ice cream place and back. And I'll just get a little, little bit.
0: Um, Otherwise, I'd be like, yep, let's jump in the car. And I kind of love that you. That this is the example that came up for you because this is why using shame and guilt does not drive long-term lifestyle changes. You, Very- you are, um, your actions are directed at a goal that is driven by avoiding shame. Mm-hmm versus your actions being driven by a goal that is to create health in your life huh can you see the difference there you just nailed it yeah yeah i'm I is on the wrong ball <laughs> right yeah and that is and and you know it's good to see that like oh i think it's wonderful i know that we as humans like avoid all the unpleasant emotions but you know i believe that our human Bodies, we are human beings because we be, we are being, and part of being is feeling all of the feelings because they're telling us something about what's going on. There's information, just like feeling a hot stove has information that's you know carried through our sensory organs to our brain, right? Like the feeling is trying to tell us something, the shame is trying to tell you that there's an external imposition of health on your body on you on your brain there's something externally pushing you there that's what shame is always going to be from Mm -hmm. and of course shame the human being wants to hide from shame so we don't tell anybody this is where we find ourselves eating like quietly in a corner or late at night after everybody's gone to bed or whatever like we hide our experience because we don't want others to know that we're not actually doing the thing that we're purporting we're doing, that we're portraying ourselves to do. Versus if we're not having that external pressure to drive our experience and instead we're actually like, I just want to be healthy. It's one of those things. What do they say? What do I tell my kids? Character is the thing that you do when nobody else is watching, Right. <laughs> yeah that is a characteristic that you are doing when nobody's watching because you actually that's who you're becoming right and we've talked about this in the group about who is the woman that you are going to be when you are just a healthy woman without type 2 diabetes what does she do on vacation what does she do after her a1c draw yeah she probably has a victory dance and hopefully she buys a new pair of shoes and maybe a nice handbag but like it's not like a three month off the rails experience because we had a great a1c right yeah what do you think about that i think it stems back to that
1: first doctor's appointment where i had primary care doctors Got a really good doctor who sat me down at first blood work and said, You're diabetic. And after watching my family and how it's affected them, it was the end of the world in my brain. I never want to feel that feeling again. Yeah, not doctor said it to me in any ill way it was just the reality of what i had done to
0: myself and yeah yeah and so maybe there is some element that needs to be unpacked about the what i have done to myself (laughs) Um, (laughs) That's yeah i mean like because and i i always i love the i think it's maya angelo who said we do the best we can with what we can until we know better we do the best we can with what we know until we know better and then we just do better do better we just do better had you truly known that that food was causing you to be diabetic i knew not enough because you weren't doing it right You, when you know something, you do something with it, right? Like you don't touch hot stoves anymore. You had to do that once or twice before you knew stoves hot. That's uncomfortable. No, thank you. Right. You, there are certain things that when you know you, you didn't leave your infant child around a pool alone without anybody to watch them because you truly in your soul of souls knew the risk associated with it. Right. Right. Right, right. Risk and responsibility. Yes. There are so many times the way that our food is sourced in this country and the media portrays it and all of these things. It's like, yeah, I mean, like Dairy Queen's probably not healthy, but it's on every night for an ad. (laughs) So how bad can it really be? Or they were eating and it wasn't a problem for them. Maybe it won't be a problem for me. It always is. But that's not knowing it though. Right. That behavior that set you up for that appointment with your doctor did not come from, it's always a problem. Right. It came from, maybe it won't happen to me.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? I am. Yeah. Yeah. So I think giving ourselves grace that like, I was doing like what I really thought. I mean, like we all take risks in life, right? Like We've all looked at our phone and you know read a text when we're in the car. Maybe we haven't all done that, but I mean, that's pretty common thing that we're like, that's a risk. I probably shouldn't take it, but I do. Um, We've, I don't know. Maybe not all of us have went out in a place where we're like, mm, Do I wear a mask right now? Am I going to get COVID? Am I, and even before COVID, am I going to get influenza? I certainly saw that in my own experience, and maybe it's because I'm a healthcare provider. And that was a situation that we found ourselves in. We're always there's always an amount of risk that we're willing to take as human beings. However, most of the time, we're not going to have to pay the consequence for that risk. And a lot of times with this food business, we believe the same thing, like, oh, I'm willing to take that risk because maybe I'm not going to have to pay the long-term consequence for that risk, right? And then, but the, the rude thing that we as humans do and that you're doing is like, oh, I was willing to take the risk, but then when it came to fruition, right, when the reality set in and you got the diagnosis, then you were kicking yourself in the teeth for it. Yeah. Yeah. What if you just say, oh, I, I, I thought I was doing the best I could and it wasn't there. Like, I don't know that I need to beat myself up for it. How does that land for you? I
1: feel like I would be lying to myself because I do know better. I know I wasn't doing my best. Yeah. Myself. Yeah.
0: So what's wrong with lying to yourself, though? Because you were doing it one place or the other. Right. <laughs> right. I know. right. And I I don't even like to think of it as lying. I like to think of it as like wishful thinking. Like I was hoping it wouldn't turn out this way, but it turns out they were right. And now I've got to stop doing that. Right. You're right. Because I'm being honest. Except for when I'm not. Right. Except for when the food's on the table and then I want to eat it. Right. But I do. I mean, there is that part. There is that desire part that we make up a story in our head and and that's just the way the brain works that's fine but if your best friend brought to you this story (laughs) and said you know i didn't think it was gonna happen i kept eating the stuff i knew it was probably a problem you know my aunt has it you remember her yeah i remember her you would have had this conversation with your best friend and then she would have been like and then i got the diagnosis would you have been like yeah because you were lying to yourself (laughs) (laughs) you might be like yeah you probably saw this coming but does it need to be riddled with guilt no
1: it would be more like you know what today's done tomorrow's a new day let's go for
0: it yeah it's time to shit or get off the pot you got the information you need right
1: and and i suppose it's i can give myself maybe an ice cream cone after an a1c instead of months of ice cream cones
0: yes (laughs) yes absolutely and that is part of it is that there is you know do you yeah I mean we all I mean I think part of the issue is one that we remove that it's okay like a little bit's okay we remove that thought I think that's one of the most um unhelpful thoughts that we as women give ourselves about food that's not healthy it's not that it's going to kill you today but it's certainly not healthy or okay you know Mm -hmm. And that kind of limits it. It's kind of like one cigarette, one cigarette ain't going to kill me. One cigarette ain't going to do me in. But if I smoke them every day for the next three months and I do that in a cycle for the next 10 years, like that's going to be an issue, right? It is. So what if you, what would it look like in your life if you shifted from having the goal of having a, a trophy to show people and having the goal of you being healthy on your terms? What would that look like? Would certainly take away three
1: months of stress when i have to get back on the wagon and behave and do well better most of the
0: time yeah you'd be better most of the time instead of some of the time yeah
1: yeah what else it would probably get easier stuck with it and gave myself some grace and allowed myself A little bit of something something sometimes instead of for three whole months (laughs)
0: yeah Yeah. do you find that when you're doing the three whole months that there is no I mean because even now you're like allowing yourself some grace with like mini bars mini chocolate bars right
1: I do find it's only been a couple with each period of time after that a1c I'm not jumping in nearly as bad every time I, because I'm getting used to the lifestyle. I already have my grocery list of things I know that are safe to eat. And I find that I continue with that. I just misbehave more often. And when I misbehave, my A1C doesn't go back up to eight where it was, it goes up to maybe six or six. So it's, I'm not eating a cake a day.
0: Right. Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. But it's, it's still something. It's still
0: something that doesn't physically feel good or mentally. Yeah. So. If you were living healthy on your terms, how frequently would those things be happening? Where I misbehave. Yeah. Or where you like have a joy eat. I have a what? I'm sorry. A joy eat where you have like just where you're eating food. That's clearly not nutritionally valuable and just creating a little bit of joy in your life. How frequently do you think you can do that and have health on your terms?
1: Usually it's, it's when I go to Six Flags, it's when I go on vacation, it's when I go to a birthday party or a cookout or that
0: kind of thing. It's not an everyday. So how frequently are you wanting to have the ice cream cones with your husband or the chocolate bars? Are those not in that category for you?
1: The mini chocolate bars, I probably have two or three a week. Okay. So um, sometimes none at all. But if I do, not more than two or three a week. Um, The ice cream, this summer, I think we only went out for ice cream twice. Yeah. Yeah. So. so I
0: think part of it is kind of defining. And I know that this was a challenge I gave to you in the group was like, what does it mean? Like, what is it going to look like when you are living healthy on your terms? You're going to want to define that because it's going to keep you as a compass in that direction. If not, if we don't have that clarity and it may be like, I want to have a piece of chocolate three times a week. Like, right that may be part of what that looks like for you. I'm not saying anything is right or wrong. It seems shifty. And when you're having like, well, I only am gonna have those Joy Eats when I'm at Six Flags. Well, and when I go out to eat with ice cream with my husband a couple of times a summer and twice a week or three times a week with chocolate bars, like where are those falling in that Joy Eat category? I would get real clear about where it is that you believe living with a normal A1C for the rest of your life. Where are those experiences going? How frequently are those experiences going to be engaged? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because if it's shifty, what ends up happening <laughs> is we're like, oh, but maybe it's okay or maybe it's not okay. And then when our A1C is dumpy, then we're all like living in shame. Right. Yes. Well, to be fair, those little chocolate bars
1: I add my daily carbs and I stay within range. But
0: the ice cream, I always fall
1: off every time.
0: And and it may be fine. Even I mean, like again, if you're, I would set it clearly as to what you expect will get you that normal A one C long term. Sometimes you can have those carbs. Sometimes it doesn't matter if you stay in the carb range. It's the kind of carbs. It's the amount of high fructose corn syrup that's in them that still surges your insulin levels so high that you stun your cells out. So, and you're just going to have to test and see. Like, yeah. there's no magic answer here. Um, but you're gonna have to make. You're gonna have to set your compass. Yes. Go there and see what's actually as you head in that direction. What's actually there for your health? Yes. Before you're going to be able to decide, is that something I can or cannot do? Right. Right. It did take an error to finally get it. And now I'm on
1: the 80% dark chocolate, mini, mini. And yesterday,
0: 30 after one of those. (laughs) yeah yeah and that may be like persisting that and you may just be living on the knife's edge constantly of falling back over into insulin resistance versus falling out of it and into normal insulin function right so that is part of it but if you can remove that shame you're not pressured so much in the three months before your a1c that then you need to feel like oh it's finally done and i'm out of that pressure zone and the shame's not there and i can have some you know pressure release a valve you know that releases that pressure for the next three months
1: right right and that's what it is too it's pressure holding my breath for three months yes.
0: it's yeah yeah and you're doing it because it's directed at like there's this external force driving you to pull that A1C down versus internally. I want to live healthy. And how do I go forward from there? I need a new ball to focus on. Yeah, I, I would spend some time defining that for yourself, because I think there's going to be a lot of good boundaries to you know work within from that space. And I think that might get you out of this cycle that's exhausting. It is so exhausting. Yeah. what do you think about I, that? I've
1: never said this out loud, and it it wasn't until you had said something on on your Facebook group that triggered this whole thought, and I was able to relate to it. I think it was to somebody else, but it made me realize that I was putting myself on a yo-yo and it's not healthy enough. so yeah yeah so is that helpful for you very helpful very very i made notes so i've been writing <laughs>
0: good 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 well i appreciate you coming on and doing this you always know that you can always reach out to me anytime and i'm happy to answer anything
1: thank you this was so emotional Good time. it can
0: be emotional yes there is crying and coaching it can be emotional all right i am gonna end the podcast